Welcome, everyone. It's time again to take a trip down to Pine Ridge. This is your host, Keith. And today we're going to look at a show called The Coming Out Party. It aired November 16th, 1949. Hey, Keith, what do you have there? From the Jotam Down Journal of April 1999. News of 1939. Starting with April 3rd, 1939. Lemon Abner signed for another year. Friends of Chet Locke and Norris Goff will be pleased to learn that Lemon Abner have signed a contract for another year with General Foods, their present sponsor. The boys just recently returned to their home in California after being in New York for two weeks, broadcasting from that city. April 25th. I think that should be April the 5th. Cedric will join Edward Bussington on a summer tour. Ed L. Goebel, the original Cedric of the Lemon Abner program, has announced he will be trooping this summer. Having signed the contract to appear with Ezra Buzzington, Pine Ridge Silver Comet Band, the tour, which starts July 1st, will include the big fairs in northern and eastern states. The MENA entertainer will join the troupe in Indiana, the winter headquarters for the owner and manager. April 13th, 1939. Personals. Pictures of MENA radio stars Lemon Abner adorn the covers of the latest issue of the Sportsman Guide. Published at Hot Springs. The picture shows the Pine Ridge pair with divergent equipment for fishing and adds to the pleasure of seeing them still interested in the sport that is bringing many visitors to Mena Lakes and streams. April 20th, 1939. Cedric leaves on tour with a vaudeville band. A spring and early summer tour arranged by the Pine Ridge Silver Comet Band has taken Ed L. Goble, the original Cedric, of the Lemon Abner program, away from the county seat sooner than he had planned. The Minute Entertainer received travel orders to leave Wednesday for Wichita, Kansas, where he will join other members of the troop on a longer trip to Seattle, Washington, to begin a tour of the Pacific Coast Theaters. Cedric had earlier signed up for a tour of northern and eastern states that is scheduled to start in July at an Indiana point. April 20th, Lemon Abner saw the Lewis Roper fight Monday night, and which ended after 2 minutes 20 seconds of fighting with Lewis the winner. Lum and Abner were mentioned by the broadcaster as being among the celebrities present. Bob Burns was also among those present for the short fracas, giving at least three Arkansans who witnessed the fight. April 27, 1939. Personals Ed L. Goble, the Cedric of Lum and Abner program, didn't forget 
Mina while heading westward to tour the Pacific coast with the Pine Ridge Silver Comet Band. At Cannon City, Colorado, he crossed the world's ugliest bridge, the one over the Royal Gorge, and more than a mile above sea level, in sending greetings to Olin R. Wood, Cedric sent a postcard view of this high-up structure with this laconic explanation of you just thinking. April 29th. Lemon Abner can talk about elks tonight. Chester Locke and Norris Goff, who had considerable to do with the Elks Lodge, while they were residents of Mina, are going to talk about the Elks and their national program during the Lemon Abner broadcast tonight over the Columbia Broadcast System at 6.15. The two radio stars should know what they're talking about when it comes to the Elks. Chester Locke was exalted ruler of the Mina Lodge some years ago and helped promote a number of Elks projects around town. Among them, organization of the Elks baseball team, which has developed quite a record for itself. Norris Goff was a member of the same lodge. During the program tonight, the two, Aslam and Abner, will pay a tribute to the Elks all over the country. Their civic improvements, projects, and their promotion of real Americanism. Gathering material for their Elks program, Locke and Goff spent several hours with Honorable Michael Shannon of Los Angeles, past granted exalted ruler of the BPOE, and was supplied information by the present grand exalted ruler, Dr. Edward McConnick. The special broadcast is the latest dealing with large organizations over the country, their aims and purposes in helping to make America a better country to live in. Don't we have a visit from Donnie Pitchford planned today too? Yeah, but it's not the real Donnie Pitchford though. Oh. It's the recorded version of Donnie Pitchford. Uh, next up, I want to take this some time to share a word, a recorded word, I will add. See, I told you, recorded. Whatever. From Uncle Donnie Pitchford as he reads from a jot of down journal. He'll say the date whenever he starts the reading. I, I I think I started to air this before, about a year ago, and here's the rest of it in case I forgot and didn't get it out there. It's a little, little history behind uh, the, the development, possibly, of uh, Loman Abner. Is that him? You mean the recorded Uncle Donnie? Yeah. My, my, you should see a handsome man. Whatever. Hello, Richard. Next, Tim Hollis continues his article, Lum and Abner, Their Ancestors and Descendants, Part 2. Part 1 of this article, which appeared in the July-August Jotam Down Journal, described some of the 18th and 19th century writings that were forerunners of Lum and Abner. In this half, we shall look at some offerings that were on at the same time or after Lum and Abner. This article was made possible by the help of our president, Uncle Donnie Pitchford, and his friend, David Doc Miller. 
Quite obviously, the radio show that most closely resembled Lum and Abner was the controversial Amos and Andy. Indeed, it is probably true that had it not been for Amos and Andy, there probably never would have been a Lum and Abner at all, for it inspired Chester Locke and Norris Goff to try for radio careers in the first place. It was only because there was such a proliferation of blackface acts in the early 1930s that our two heroes decided to use the rural characterizations that they had been working on since their boyhood days. Even though Locke and Goff ended up using different voices than Amos and Andy, there are still some remarkable parallels between the two series. For one thing, Amos and Andy is usually regarded as one of the first soap operas for it was one of the earliest, if not the earliest, radio series to have a storyline that continued over a period of several days or weeks. It inherited this format from the newspaper comic strips, and this was the facet that most quickly brought it to national fame. Lum and Abner chose to follow this format, too, until 1948. The big split between the two programs came when Amos and Andy abandoned its 15-minute cliffhangers in 1943, becoming just another comedy-variety radio show, while Lum and Abner held out five more years before bowing to the popular trend. In the end, Amos and Andy became the most well-remembered of the two shows probably because of its early popularity and its brush with TV in the 1950s, which Lum and Abner did not find much success in. To this day, however, people often get the two shows mixed up and use the Quote, apostrophe N, apostrophe, close quote, in the title of the latter show, i.e., Lum in Abner, which is incorrect. There were other radio shows that followed the Lum and Abner pattern, notably Vic and Sade, although it did not continue a storyline from day to day. At any rate, Vic and Sade's Uncle Fletcher, Clarence Hartzell, eventually became Lum and Abner's Ben Withers. So there's a close enough relationship for any show. Meanwhile, in the movies, about the time Lum and Abner began their silver screen careers, another rural team was introduced. Marjorie Maine and Percy Kilbride as Ma and Pa Kettle. The rustic couple encountered a variety of Lum and Abner-esque adventures in their films, and the title of one, Ma and Pa Kettle Go to Town, was strongly reminiscent of Lum and Abner's Go Into Town. It was television that really started the avalanche of rural comedy. The Real McCoys was one of the first rural situation comedies, or corncoms as they became known. Walter Brennan starred as Grandpappy Amos, read Grandpappy Spears, trying to adjust to city life. From the early 1960s on, the CBS network became the home for corncoms galore, including, in order of appearance, the Andy Griffith Show, 1960. The Beverly Hillbillies, 1963. Petticoat Junction, 1964. Gomer Pyle, 1964. And Green Acres, 1965. Our president, the erudite Donnie Pitchford, contributed the following observations on how the characters in these shows could have been literal descendants of Lum and Abner. Comments that are not Pitchford's are shown in parentheses. The Andy Griffith Show. Andy is Lum, the Justice of the Peace. Barney could be Abner, the small but scrappy constable. Mayberry is a bit larger and more developed than Pine Ridge, but still maintains the relaxed, rural feeling, albeit in a more Norman Rockwell apple pie and Americana setting. 
We have a small-town Mosemoots barber in Floyd, played by Howard McNear, and even the village idiot, a term I've always objected to in referring to the lovable Cedric, in the form of Gomer and later Goober Pyle. Gentle Aunt B is reminiscent of Aunt Charity Spears. In parentheses, Donnie added a couple of footnotes about the Andy Griffith show. For one thing, Dick Elliott, who played the first mayor of Maybury, was the second Squire Skimp in the Lum and Abner movies. Also, Howard McNear, Floyd the Barber, had a number of roles on Lum and Abner, including Mr. Talbert, the store robber, and Dr. Roller, the pest controller, who knocked himself out trying to exterminate Clyde the Mouse. The Beverly Hillbillies Aside from the obvious, Jed Clampett could almost double for Lum physically if he were a mite thinner and more clean-shaven. He has some of Lum's serious qualities, philosophizing, etc., but lacks the dreamer qualities of Lum, no great schemes or businesses. Also, Jed's favorite epithet is, Well, doggies, delivered in a drawl not unlike that of I, doggies. Granny is almost a combination Abner and Sister Simpson, in that she often gets things balled up by taking things too literary. She's small and feisty and cooks up a variety of Aunt Charity remedies. There's a bit of Grandpappy Spears in her as well. Jethro follows the tradition of Cedric quite well, but seems to inherit the wild schemes of Lum, as he dashes off on a new kick every time the wind changes. We have a double for Old Blue, Jed's dog Duke. Jed is a bashful widower instead of a bashful bachelor, and daughter Ellie could be another little pearl. A stout one, that girl. We can't forget Mr. Drysdale. Who else is he but Squire Skimp? In his own way, he swindles the Clampets by pacifying them into keeping their millions in his bank. Another similarity I can spot is Cousin Pearl, who resembles a Sister Simpson type, the style setter, the organ player, the head of the social affairs in her area, as well as always on the lookout for a man. In parentheses, the one character Donnie failed to mention is Miss Jane Hathaway, she could roughly be parallel to Dick Huddleston, the level-headed type who helps the other characters out of their difficulties. Green Acres We have the same rural setting as Petticoat Junction, complete with Mr. Drucker's general store, where many a checker game took place. We can stretch our imaginations and see Oliver Douglas, a dreamer. He wants to be a farmer and is obsessed with the idea in an idealistic Lum Edwards manner, and wife Lisa, somewhat dim-witted and want to confuse words and phrases, as stand-ins for Lum and Abner. Their handyman Eb is something of a Cedric Weehunt. Old crusty Fred Ziffel is perfect for Grandpappy Spears. Out of all the characters considered, Fred Ziffel most closely resembles the Lum and Abner character he's being compared to, at least in my opinion and that of David Miller. Mr. Haney, the peddler-swindler, is incredibly Squire Skimpish. And who runs a hotel, boarding house nearby, but Kate Bradley, Sister Simpson? And apparently, that's the end of the article. Looking back at the illustrations for Lum and Dabner, their ancestors and descendants, on the first page of the article we have line drawings of Amos and Andy as portrayed in blackface makeup by Freeman Gosden and Charles Carell. The second page of the article is a collage, a cut-and-paste photo collage put together by Tim Hollis. The characters and actors 
depicted are left to right. We see Grandpappy Spears, depicted in a drawing from one of the almanacs. We see an image of Lum and Abner from the same source, a drawing of Cedric Weehunt, and a drawing of a very wide-girthed Squire Skimp, all from the Lum and Abner almanacs. We see a photocopied photograph of Don Knotts as Barney Fife from The Andy Griffith Show. Likewise, photographs of Jim Neighbors and Andy Griffith himself. Pasted in or standing just behind Andy Griffith is Ava Gabor, and beside her is Eddie Albert from the situation comedy Green Acres. In the last grouping, which appears to be standing somewhat in front of these people, we see Irene Ryan as Granny Moses, Max Bayer Jr., who of course was Jethro Bodine, Donna Douglas as Ellie Mae Clampett, and Buddy Ebsen as Jed Clampett. The very bottom of the page is another early image of Lum and Abner, and once again, Let's Lick Lum, a reproduction of the image from that famous button. Thanks, Uncle Donnie. Thanks for stopping by. Well, thank you for that recording, Mr. Uncle Donnie Pittsford. And you can check out uh, the work he does as president of the National Lum and Abner Society at lumandabnersociety.org. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff there. There's uh, active Facebook groups. You can look up Lum and Abner Radio, Lum and Abner Comics. Go check them out. But for now, it is time to get the ball rolling and say, take it away, Retrobots. The Love and Abner Show. With your old favorites, Zazo Pitts, Andy Devine, music by Opie Cates, and starring Love and Abner. Abner, I was just wondering, was you ever in love? Well, I thought I was one time, and... Then I got married and never had a chance to find out. <laughs> well, you can take my word for it. it. Love is wonderful. For goodness sakes. Who is it, Mom? Andy Devine. Andy? Well, I hope you two will be very happy. <laughs> no, no, Abner. Andy's in love with Miss Pitts. Dog is a triangle. Well, don't worry, Lum. Big around as Andy is, he'll never be able to fit into it. I ain't in love with nobody. What I'm trying to tell you is that Cupid has let fly with his bow and arrow and hit old Andy. With a target like that, how could he miss? <laughs> oh, I tell you, he hit the bullseye all right. Andy's really got it bad. Well, how does Miss Pitts feel about it? Well, she don't know it yet. Oh. That's where I come in. Back to the triangle again, huh? No, you see, Andy's asked me to help him. Uh-oh. Now, if you was a good friend to a feller that wanted to get married, what would you do? I'd lock him up someplace till he come to his senses. You wouldn't do no such a thing. You'd let the ladies in love with know that he's ready to get married. Oh, no, I ain't no stool pigeon. Oh, Abner, this is going to be the biggest social event of the year. I'm going to give Andy a coming out party. Coming out? Yes, sir. Douglas, he's been out for a long time. <laughs> Fact is, I think it's about time to put him back in. No, sir, I grannies Abner, you're going to see some action now. Huh. Andy Devine is going to make his debut.
Tom. You may see a stranger. Tom. You may see a stranger. Enzio. What is it, Em? Just want to know how long you're going to sing. Well, what difference does it make? I want to know how much cotton to stuff in my ears. That's fine. You just don't know talent when you hear it. I'll go First back to the singing is concerned. I've been told I'm a natural-born barracuda. <laughs> you might be, but I ain't heard such bellering since Gomer Bates reversed the milking machine on that cow head. <laughs> I tell you, Abner, this coming out party for Andy is the greatest one idea I ever studied up. Well. I better get him on the phone and tell him to come right over. Yeah, I'll have him and Miss Pitts married inside of a week. <laughs> oh, I tell you, I'm a regular little old Cupid. You're the first Cupid I ever seen with a handlebar mustache. <laughs> Andy Devine's Barbershop. Come in and get trimmed. Oh, howdy, Andy. This is Lum Edwards. Oh, hello, Lum. Andy, uh, let me be the first to congratulate you on your impending wedlock to Miss Pitts. Oh, golly, Lum, did she say yes? Well, not yet, but I got a surefire idea to wrap up the deal. Can you come over right away? Uh, well, not right away, Lum. I'm shaving a customer. <laughs> I'm nearly finished. <laughs> All right, Andy. So long. So long. Lom, I still don't see why. Wait a minute, Abner. Goodbye, Miss Seastrunk, Miss Bates, Miss Pomeroy, Miss Beckley, Miss Simpson, Miss Johnson. Goodbye, Miss Goshen. Grandies, Abner, we're getting a bigger hooper rating on that party line every day, you know? Uh, Lom, what I started out to say, I still don't see how this coming out party of Andy's will get him married. Abner, don't you ever read the society page in the county paper? Oh, every now and then, Elizabeth reads me what's going on twixt the hoys and the ploys. Well, now, if you'll just listen a minute, I'll show you something. Now, listen to this. Mr. and Ms. Balmer J. Stokes today announced the marriage of their daughter, Bueller. Miss Stokes is a well-known debutante. Oh, well, so they finally hooked the sucker for old horse face, huh? <laughs> Well, now a bomber can take them bear traps off the front porch. <laughs> Don't you see? If making a debut can get her married off, then it can do the same for Andy. He's a better catch than she is. Yeah, and a way yonder prettier, too. But I still don't know about that debut business. Well, I know it'll work. Every one of them weddings you read about is of a well-known debutante. Well, yeah. My mind's made up, Abner. Andy's going to make his debut, and I'm going to be his sponsor. Uh-huh. Sponsor? He's got to have a sponsor, you know. You mean you're going to put him on the radio? No, not that kind, silly. His sponsor's the feller that gives the party. Oh. Oh, when Miss Pitts gets a load of Andy debuting himself into high society, she'll be bowled over. <laughs> then all he has to do is just pop the question. Yeah. Well, I guess women folks do go for that society stuff. Why, of course they do. I'll never forget the first time Elizabeth seen me in a swallowtail coat. She wanted to get married right off. Yeah. When was that? The day of our wedding. <laughs> Uh, I better get going on this party. First thing I got to do is check with Emily Post. You mean old Harvey Post Warmer out there on Briar Creek? No, I mean Emily Post's book on etiquette. Well, I was going to say, hey, wait a minute. I never know that Harvey's woman wrote a book. She never said She me. can't even write long. This is another Post family, I think. Harvey. Anyway, I got the book right here. Now, listen, I'll read it to you. The Debutante, How a Young Girl is Presented to Society. 
Andy ain't no young girl. That don't matter. I'm sure this article means both men and women. All right, what does it say? It says, any one of various entertainments may be given to present a young girl to society. Entertainment? Yes. Well, how about a coon hunt? <laughs> they don't have coon hunts in high society. They hunt something high class, like me. Oh. Well, does the book suggest any special entertainment? Well, it says here, the most elaborate entertainment that can be given is a ball. Ain't Andy a little old to be playing with a ball? <laughs> I don't mean a bouncing ball. I mean a dancing ball. Oh, doggies, I'd love to have one of them myself. <laughs> I'll trade him my top for it. <laughs> That's what I'll do. And for an orchestra, I'll hire the Macmillan boys and mother. Lom, your place is too, too small for a ball, Lom. It won't hold more than a dozen people. Well, that don't matter. Nobody's going to stay very long anyway when mother cuts loose on that washboard. <laughs> That'll scatter Oh, I tell you, Admiral, this idea of mine's shaping up wonderful. I'm going to make Andy a regular Cinderella. Cinderella? Dog, as I'd like to see the size of the pumpkin you make his coach out of. Mm-hmm. Well, Andy, how's the prospective bridegroom? Oh, Lum, I'm just trembling all over. I'm glad you cleared that up. I thought we was having an earthquake. Well, ain't a thing to worry about, old boy. Before you know it, Andy, you'll be walking down the aisle with Miss Pitts. Of course, there's a few details to be worked out first. Yeah, like widening the aisle. Lum, <laughs> I'll do anything you say to get Miss Pitts. Now, what's your plan? Well, you're going to be a debutante. Uh, what? A debutante. I'm giving you a coming out party and dancing ball. Oh, Lum, me a debutante? <laughs> oh, no. Just think of it. You'll be <laughs> Andy Devine, the social butterfly, coming out of your cocoon. <laughs> Any cocoon he'd come out of looked like a Quonset hut. <laughs> Miss Pitts will see you basking in the lion's light and belling around the ball and tripping over the light fantastic. Tripping? Yeah, you'll be kivered with glamour. You'll be kivered with plaster. <laughs> she ever trips, the whole roof will come down. Abner, will you please keep out of this? Huh? Oh, Andy, when I get done, all you got to do is just pop the question. Uh, Lon, I admit it sounds wonderful, but, oh, I don't know nothing about debutante. I've done took care of all that. I've got a book here with all the rules and regulations. Well, good for you, Lum. I'm ready. Fine. Now, listen while I read this. Huh? Let us pretend a worldly godmother is speaking. Let us pretend that you're a young girl on the eve of your coming out ball. Let us pretend that you're both nuts. <laughs> you are excited. Of course you are. It is your evening, and you are the little princess. Oh, love. <laughs> this is making me a little sick. There is music. Oh, dog, it's a Macmillan boys and mother. <laughs> then you enter, princess. You're wearing your prettiest dress. Now, hold on there. I ain't gonna wear no dress. But, Andy... Don't butt me. How would it look for me to walk up to Miss Pitts, swish my bustle, curtsy, and say, would you like to become my wife? Oh. Uh, 
Andy, I'm just trying to do this official. Let's see now. A few don'ts for debutantes. Well, now, let's hear that. Yeah, this is getting interesting. All right. A few don'ts for debutantes. Don't think that you need neither brains nor manners just because you have a pretty face. Oh, I don't, love. <laughs> Whispering is always rude. With that voice, how can he? <laughs> Sounds like a bulldozer with stripped gears climbing out of a gravel pit. <laughs> Whispering and giggling at the same time is to be frowned on. And it's doggone hard to do, <laughs> If you would be thought likable, don't nudge or pat or tug at people. How about ending wrestling? <laughs> I don't say. Well, um, I ain't interested in the don'ts. I'd like to know what am I supposed to do? Well, there's more here. It goes on. The debutante stands beside the hostess at the entrance. As the guests enter, they greet the hostess first. Well, who's a hostess? Well, that's me, natural. Oh, oh natural. <laughs> the hostess shakes hands with each, turns to the debutante and says, Cynthia, I want to present Ms. Jones. Cynthia? Now, who's that? That's you. Me? <laughs> what it says right here in the book, Cynthia. That's enough. That done it. The whole thing's off. First, I got to be a debutante. Then I got to wear a dress. Then everybody's calling me Cynthia. Now, just a minute. Will you promise me one thing, Andy? All right. What is it? That you'll save all this wrangling till after the ball. Okay. Now, will you promise me something? Oh, yes, Abner. What is it? That you'll save me the first dance, Cynthia. <laughs> Say, Abner, did you get all them invites all took care of? Yeah, but, Lum, I didn't see no invite in there for Miss Pitts. Well, I never aimed to send her one. I'm going over to her house and invite her personal. Oh, I see. That's part of my plan. See, I want to give old Andy a big build-up with her before his debut. Yeah. Tell her what a fine thing marriage is. Uh -oh. You know, give her that stuff about the vine-kivered cottage, turtle doves, and all that stuff. That's exactly what that Elizabeth pulled on me. <laughs> oh, it works every time. Yeah, I know it fooled me. Hi, Dogus. Wait a minute, Lum. Now's your chance to talk to Miss Pitts, because here she comes right now. Oh, no. I, I don't want her to see me in the store here. I, I'll go on over to her house and wait for her over there. Oh. Now I can talk to her in the parlor. I'll sneak out the back. Yeah, well, hurry up. Get out of here. So long. Uh, good afternoon. I'm Miss Pitts with the County Home Economics Bureau. The county wishes me to inform you that... Oh, hang the county. Huh? Oh, my goodness. What have I said? If the, if the supervisor heard... That I'm fired. We girls aren't allowed to use profanity. Oh, well, we got a special on soap if you'd like to wash your mouth. Out. I'd like to forget county business for a moment and have a talk with you. Mr. Peabody, may I be frank? If Andy can be Cynthia, I don't see why not. <laughs> Mr. Peabody, uh, do you think I come in here just to pass on the county suggestions to you? No, I'll be honest. I come in here to see Mr. Edwards. Huh? To catch a glimpse of his handsome, sensitive face. You sure you've been looking at the right man? <laughs> Mr. Peabody, every time I see him, it gives me goose pimples. It, it is sort of frightening, ain't it? <laughs> but has he ever noticed me? No. 
to him I'm just a drab county agent. But he's wrong. Underneath this stern official exterior beats the heart of a romantic woman. Well. Uh, Tell me, Mr. Peabody, does Mr. Edwards ever talk about me? Well, Oh, please, please, this is so important to me. Well, to tell you the truth, Miss Pitts, he's been talking about you all day long. He has? He has? What's he been saying? Well, Oh, Mr. Peabody, please, please. Well, I guess there ain't no harm in telling you. You'll find it out sooner or later. Oh, find out what? About Andy Devine's debut party. Oh, well, what's that got to do with me? Well, see, Lum figured that'd be a good time to announce the engagement. The engagement? Whose engagement? Why, yours. He figured you'd say yes under the spell of all that society stuff. Oh, he didn't have to wait until then. I'd say yes to Mr. Edwards anywhere. (laughs) Well, now, wait just a minute, ma'am. I've got to find him. Where is he? Well, he's on his way over to your house right now. Oh, I've got to get home. I might miss him. Yeah, well, if you miss him over there, he'll give you a ring later. A ring? Oh, Mr. Peabody. This is the happiest day of my life. Yeah, but Miss Pitt... At last, I've got something besides hope in my chest. Here's Opie Cates, his clarinet, his orchestra, and digga, digga, do. I'd just love to hear the conversation twixt old Lum and Miss Pitts. <laughs> Doggy says he put his foot into it. <laughs> Why, what's he got himself into now? Well, uh, he went over to Miss Pitts to ask her to marry Andy Devine. Mm-hmm. But she thinks he's going to ask her to marry him. <laughs> well, I'll be doggone. I never even knowed Lum was in love with her. She ain't. 
Well, their marriage ain't going to get off to a very good start, is it? No, old Pete Lom's trying to get her to marry Andy Devine. That's the reason he's giving this big coming out party for Andy. Coming out party? Yeah, well, here's one of the invites. Listen, I'll read it to you. The entertainment committee of the Lum Edwards Country Club requests the pleasure of your company at a ball to be given at the clubhouse. Well, he ain't got no clubhouse. No, but he thinks that sounds big, you know. Hmm. In fact, says he's fixing, uh, fixing up his uh, chicken house so it'll look like that. <laughs> Going to borrow a pool table and put it out there. In the chicken house? Yeah. Oh, the chickens will love that. Yeah. <laughs> I can just see that old rooster alums nudging one of the hens and saying, lay it in the side pocket, Clara. <laughs> so there's a bank shot I'd love to see. <laughs> Special with one foot on the floor. I went to a party at a clubhouse once. Well. Over in Clinton. I took uh, Sam Bidball. Sam Bidball? Why don't you take a girl? Sam's a girl. Ah. Uh, Her sisters are, too, Clyde and Dudley. <laughs> Why in the world did they name three girls Sam, Clyde, and Dudley? Well, they had to have some way to tell them apart. <laughs> I was in love with Sam. When her family moved away from Clinton, I cried like a baby. Oh, you ought to control yourself, old Pete. Just couldn't help it. I was only a year old at the time. <laughs> Last time I heard from Sam, she was a hostess in the Ace High Snooker Palace in Beeville, Texas. Well, good for Sam. You know, Abner, I sort of figured she'd wind up behind the eight ball. Yeah. <laughs> hey, talking about behind the eight ball, Dogers, I wonder what old Lum's doing right now. <laughs> A stranger. Who's there? Oh, it's me, Miss Pitts, Plum Edwards. Uh, just a second, I'll unbolt the door. <laughs> oh, Mr. Edwards, won't you come in? Oh, thank you. Grannies, you ain't taking no chances of anybody getting in, are you? Uh, no. Or out, either. Uh, oh, uh, won't you come into the living room? Oh, thank you. Say, this is a nice place you've got here. Well, just make yourself comfortable, Mr. Edwards. Just kneel down, or uh, uh, sit down. Well, thank you, ma'am. I'll just sit here in the rocking chair. Well, uh, why don't you try the love seat? <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, just sit on the left side, the part marked his. <laughs> this is right cozy. Oh, my, yes, isn't it? Uh, Miss Pitts, I don't hardly know how to start this, but I've got something awfully important to talk to you about. Well, uh, go right ahead, Mr. Edwards. You'll find me very helpful. Well, good. You know, when a man reaches a certain age, he feels the need for companionship, someone to team up with in double harness. Uh, would you like some background music? I have that new record, Mule Train. 
No, thank you, Miss Pitts. Not now. Uh, every man yearns to have someone to share life's joys and sorrows. Someone to be standing by the gate to wave goodbye to him in the morning. And to be standing there at night to greet him when he comes home. Yeah. Of course, you'll have to go in the house sometime to cook supper. <laughs> yes, of course. Well, to get right to the point, Miss Pitts, have you ever considered matrimony? Constantly. <laughs> Good. I, I thought I might have to coax you a little there. Uh, just mentioning it will do. Of course, I, I wasn't going to take no for an answer. <laughs> you weren't going to get it either. Well, that's fine. Now, there's one thing I want to know. Uh, how do you feel about Andy Devine? Any friend of yours, Mr. Edwards, is just peachy with me. <laughs> Why? Well, I just wanted to be sure. Now that I know how you feel about marriage, uh... Don't you agree that Andy would be the best man? If you think so, he's more than satisfactory with me. Granny, Miss Pitts, you don't know how happy you've made me. Oh, Mr. Edwards, I'm so excited. Now, I'm giving a party for Andy, and I thought that'd be a good place to announce the engagement. Oh, I think it's simply wonderful. Good. Now, where would you like to go on the honeymoon? Oh, any place you suggest is just grand with me. <laughs> Well, uh, Niagara Falls is nice. Uh, yes. But, of course, it ain't a question of what I like. It's what Andy likes. Andy? Uh, what's Mr. Devine got to do with it? Is he going in the honeymoon, too? Well, natural. Well, I don't know why it's necessary for him to make the trip. Well, it, it ain't necessary, but it'd be nice. <laughs> You see, he's sort of planning on it. He bought a roll of film for his Kodak. You, uh, you mean you've already discussed it with him? Yes, uh, I was asking him where he'd like to go, and he sort of favored Niagara Falls. Hmm. Well, where do you suggest we go, Mr. Edwards? Oh, long as you two are happy, that's all that matters, really. Oh, you're so unselfish. But I want you to be happy, too. Well, it's awful nice of you to include me, but I can't make the trip no way. <laughs> oh, dear, you're not going? Well, you know the old saying, two's company, three's a crowd. Then Mr. Devine can stay at home. <laughs> well, that's sort of up to you. Oh, well, we can settle that later. Oh, yeah, that's a minor detail. <laughs> well, I better be going. I can't wait to tell old Andy the good news. Oh, don't tell him now. Let's wait and surprise him at the party. Oh, Mr. Edwards, this will be our little secret. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know it isn't quite proper, but I'd like to be the one to announce the engagement at the party. That's a great idea. Yeah. I'll get them all quieted down, and I, grannies, everybody in this town will be knocked clean off their feet when you get up and announce the name of that groom. Hi, <laughs> grannies, Abner, everything's all set. It is. 
Didn't you see Miss Pitts? Oh, yeah. Oh, when I got done telling her about Andy and matrimony and all that stuff, she jumped at the chance to get married. She did? <laughs> She's going to marry him, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> going to announce it at the big coming out ball. Well, I'm sure glad to hear it. I've been worried to death. Worried? <laughs> oh, Lum Edwards never makes a mistake. She was just like putty in my hand. Well, good for you. Oh, yeah. You know, Abner, I might even open up a matrimonial bureau. I don't know. <laughs> Go into the business. Just seems like I got a natural knack for handling other folks' affairs. But well, you ought to have. You've been meddling in them for years. <laughs> oh, Andy's going to be tickled plumb to death when he finds out what I've done, Granny. <laughs> Bless his heart. Wait a minute. Right, Granny, there he comes now. Huh? Don't let on to him. He's been accepted, though, because this is supposed to be a secret. Oh, oh. <laughs> Ah, hi, Andy. Old pal, come in. Don't old pal me, Lum Edwards. I've just come from Miss Pitts. Oh, no. She didn't go and tell you, did she? She most certainly did everything. Oh, that was supposed to be our little secret. Why, you double-dealing, double-crossing, home-wrecking varmint? Hey, 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 Cynthia, now you simmer down. <laughs> oh, don't you, Cynthia, me. Lum Edwards, I'll never speak to you again as long as I live. But, Andy, what about the party? The party's off. The weapon's off. Everything's off. How can you say that after I fixed everything? You fixed it all right, you B Benedict Alden. <laughs> she, she thought you was asking her to marry you. Me? Well, I wouldn't marry her on a bed. That's just what I told her. You did, huh? Yeah, and you might be interested to know that my bride-to-be is suing you for breach of promise. Mom and Admiral will be back in just a moment. Most of us approve of saving for a rainy day. These days, it's hard to have anything left over to save. It's easy to put off that saving until tomorrow, and that tomorrow never seems to come. The best way to make yourself save a little every payday is to join the payroll plan where you work or the bond-a-month plan where you bank. Money invested in United States savings bonds today will make possible many dreams for tomorrow. So arrange to save with United States saving bonds. Remember, automatic saving is sure saving. <laughs> Card to Andy Devine. Andy? I thought you and him was mad at one another. Well, yeah, but I sort of feel sorry for him. He's bound to be lonesome all by himself up there at Niagara Falls. <laughs> Love and Andrew Show will be back next week and every week at the same time with Andy Devine, Days of Kiss, and music by Opie Case, written by Betty Boyle and Dave Summers. Directed by Mary Burns. Wendell now speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.